0: What's up, sports fans? Welcome into another edition of this podcast with me, Corey Clark, columnist, uh, Tallahassee.com, sports columnist, uh, Nolesports.com. Well, you know where I am. You know who I am. Come on. Who are we kidding? Um, anyway, uh, so that was an interesting game, huh, folks? That was, uh, you're glad to have football back, are we? Uh, that was, um, you know, I wrote a column after the game, Florida State losing to NC State 27-21, to in a game where... What, what, what was most concerning about that loss, in my opinion, if you're a Florida State fan or, heck, if you cover Florida State, is there was really nothing fluky about it. Like, you could say, like, I thought if Florida State was going to lose to NC State, it would be because the true freshman quarterback just melted down. You know, had three or four really bad interceptions, or the offense just could not move at all, um, just was in over his head. And NC State, knowing Florida State was going to run the ball, just sold out on the run, and Florida State couldn't make any plays with the receivers. But that's not the case. Uh, Blackman was fine. You know, he wasn't great, but I don't know how much more you could expect out of a true freshman quarterback, especially when, he's asked, when he drops back 44 times. Uh, he threw 38 passes and also had six rushing attempts, none of which were designed. So essentially, that's 44 pass plays that were called. Meanwhile, uh, the two tailbacks, Patrick and Akers, had 20 carries. Um, That's not the kind of balance uh, that that the offense should have. But anyway, we'll get to that. Uh, More than anything, that's how I thought Florida State would lose. If they were going to lose to NC State, it would be just some inexplicable plays, some really costly turnovers, some fluky plays, maybe a special team's breakdown or three, and they lose that game. Um, You know, Florida State... NC State didn't have any fluky plays. You know, they got some calls maybe that, that were 50-50 calls or, even you know, 40-60 or 10-90, however you want to phrase it, where maybe uh, they got the benefit of the doubt on a few calls, some few important calls. Most notably, I think, the interception. Um, that wasn't pass interference. That's just not pass interference. McFadden made a great play on that ball. It wasn't a good throw, but he, he beat the receiver to the spot. He didn't, the quarterback didn't have anywhere to throw to because McFadden was covering him. McFadden beat him to the spot, got there in time, was going for the ball. And the ball pops up in the air. Derwin intercepts it. Uh, but it, it's wiped out for pass interference. That, that was a very, very big call in that game. And one, maybe the other big play, one of the other big plays was the Blackman fumble, of course, which was really close to him being down. Uh, I think if the call had been on the field that he was down, they wouldn't have overturned it. I think it was one of those plays. But the call was that it was a fumble. The, the video evidence was really close, but it looked like to me that the ball was coming out just as his knee was hitting down, hitting the ground. So I understood why that call stood. Um, but you know, other than that, not really fluky plays. I, you know, NC State to me looked just as, just looked like the better team. They deserved to win, and that's a problem. Um, you know, we can say that rust matters, and it does. I'm not. I would not diminish that. That having three weeks off isn't good. But, at the same time, Florida State also had 16 days to prepare for NC State. Where they knew the Thursday before that before that Louisiana Monroe game, when that was canceled, they, had already, they knew the Miami game was going to be canceled. They had 16 days to get ready for NC State. And that's what, the, that's what the result was. He had 16 days, 20 days really, to prepare his true freshman quarterback to make that start at home. And that's what that offense looked like. Now, the offense had some moments. But, the red zone was atrocious. Aguayo was nice, hey man, he's going to rack up the points if you keep having to settle for field goals, but even he missed a really important one there in the second quarter that would have tied the game. So there was really nothing good at all about the offense. I thought Jimbo wasn't good as a play caller, Um, and I think the whispers that are going to start coming around, and I'm sure we'll touch on this more as the season goes, is, okay, Jimbo's a fine. Jimbo's a really good recruiter. He's done a fine job with this program, and this season isn't over. Look, they might somehow win ten in a row. I don't see how that's possible with the way they looked Saturday, but they could, I guess, theoretically. But that's probably not going to happen. So you're looking at a three loss season, maybe a four or five loss season. Um, and the whispers are going to start coming, turning into shouts about, okay, well, how good is he really when he doesn't have Jameis Winston as his quarterback? Is that fair? I don't know. Jameis certainly wasn't the only player on that team. It wasn't like Cam Newton on that 2010 Auburn team. Florida State in 2013 was a juggernaut. That whole team was an NFL team, and Jimbo brought them all. Jimbo gets credit for all those guys. They were going to be good if I was quarterback. They'd have been really good. So it's not just Jameis Winston in a bunch of mediocrity. He had really good players. He put together an all-time team. It just so happened to have an all-time type quarterback. And you wonder if... What we saw from 2010 to 2012 is what we're seeing now. The 13 and 14 were the anomaly because of who was at quarterback. But all the other seasons are kind of the same. Frustrating offense, some struggles in the red zone at times, a lot of, a lot of timeouts because receivers can't get lined up. How, how beneficial would it have had to have, maybe have a timeout or two at the end of the game there? Uh, but instead, you burn them all because you're either the play clock's winding down or your receivers can't get lined up. And that's been an issue forever, for eternity. You can't get receivers lined up, and Jimbo will not take a delay of game penalty. It's just not happening. He's going to burn a timeout. Those five yards are that important to him that he doesn't understand that maybe, just maybe, especially when we're trailing in the third quarter of a game, we might need those timeouts later. So I'm going to have to eat it here, eat these five yards, and try to call another play that can get a first down, make it a little harder on ourselves now. But you know, in the uh, in the short term, but in the long term, we might have a timeout that we really need at the end of a the game. They're all they just flat out don't have timeout. They he just he burned, he burns through them. That's just what happens, um, and that's always been a problem with Jimbo. But again, it's obvious that he he can coach. And his coaching staff, his, the guys on his coaching staff, can coach. But when you, the, you, when you watch what happened on Saturday, you start to wonder, okay, man, you know, is it, is it, am I being too reactionary? Are you being too reactionary by starting to wonder about the direction of a program because of one loss, a six-point loss to a bolt to a pretty good NC State team, not a great team, but a pretty good one? Is that too reactionary? Because the other loss is Alabama. You had two weeks off where Russ can, can set in because you haven't gotten to play. And you had a true freshman starting quarterback. Maybe it's too reactionary. But I don't know, man. I, I don't think so. Um, I, I think it, there's a, you're right to be worried about the direction of this program. And as I wrote on Saturday, which obviously you should read on Knowlesports.com, that uh, after the game was that, man, the, the elephant in the room is Clemson. You know, Clemson didn't look great on, on Saturday. They struggled with Boston College. I think that was a 7-7 game in the fourth quarter. Um, but Clemson looked great at Louisville. And, uh, you know, Boston College only scored seven points. Louisville didn't score much at all until, yeah, they had 21 points, which is not much at all for them. Um, and, and Clemson also had a defensive touchdown. So is the difference in these two programs right now, is the biggest difference between Clemson and Florida State, Brent Venables and Charles Kelly? I, I lean towards, yes, that's the biggest difference. I don't think Clemson has that much more talent than Florida State on defense. I just don't. But I don't think Clemson's defense would have done what Florida State's defense did uh, Saturday against NC State. I just don't. I I can't envision Clemson on third and nine when you need a stop and the whole stadium knows they're running the ball. The whole stadium knows they're running the ball, except apparently – the people on your defense, because you have a cornerback that starts that doesn't even take a peek in the backfield to see if the ball's been handed off. So he just runs 20 yards downfield. Levante Taylor, Levante Taylor, just runs 20 yards downfield with his receiver, gets completely run out of the play for no reason because he wouldn't. You, you got to understand situation and time. There's zero chance they're throwing the ball right then. They would not do it. Not when you don't have any timeouts. They're not going to risk stopping the clock. So they're going to run the ball and and run another 40. 40 seconds off the clock. They're not going to risk an incompletion or a sack and a fumble or an interception. They're just not going to do it. That was going to be a run the whole time because you didn't have any timeouts left. And yet you have Derwin James making this mad rush up the field as if he's trying to sack the quarterback. He completely gets out of that lane. You have the defensive end just gets completely pushed inside along with the tackle. There's nobody there. The, run, the linebacker doesn't fill that gap. He can't get over there. And then the cornerback that should have been watching to, to, make sh- to, to see for sure that it was a running play has run off 25 yards downfield and is nowhere in the play to be found. That's just bad coaching. That's just bad coaching. That doesn't mean they're bad coaches, but that's a bad coaching, and that's just one particular instance. Um, and, you know, there, there were times when Florida State played well on defense. But, again, NC State moves right down the field the first two possessions, just like Alabama did, and the offense struggles right out of the gate, which makes a little more sense because you have a true freshman quarterback. What doesn't make sense is how Jimbo called that game initially, or really the whole game. It just does not make sense that they ran the ball six times in the second half. And I asked Jimbo about it on Monday because he, he, he was telling us that it was a balanced attack and that he had called as many runs as passes – And then I looked at the stats and saw, okay, well, you had 38 pass attempts and six rushing attempts by your quarterback. So that's 44 times where you called a pass. Meanwhile, your running backs only had 20 carries. So it looks to me like you were calling pass plays 67% of the time, 70% of the time. And Jimbo was saying it was more like 50-50. So I asked him about that, and he said a lot of those little swing passes, which has been the case – this is just the case with the offense. A lot of those swing passes that they throw out wide – are really just running plays where the quarterback will check to a swing pass or throw the swing pass as opposed to give it to the running back that he looks at the line sees if it's bunched sees if the sees if there's seven or eight in the box usually eight in the box and he wants to get the ball out wide to one of the receivers and make plays out wide he's like and Jimbo was like look if, that, if we get five or six yards on that that's just as good as a running play I mean maybe I don't know I you know I think if your offensive line is as good as you lead us to believe and as you expect it to believe, you know, you can just get in the eye and say, you know what, NC State, you do have a good defensive line. Well, we have a good offensive line. We're going to move you off the ball, and we're going to run it down your throats. That didn't happen. Just that didn't happen. Doesn't happen, really, with this team. So that's what I think, like, moving forward. It was, it was the loss. Look, well, you know, there, there was a chance Florida State could have still won that game. You know, if James Blackman – they called a play – Jimbo called a great play uh, in the fourth quarter where Amir Rasul was wide open down the sidelines. Would have been probably a walk-in touchdown, as Jimbo likes to say. But Blackman got hit as he threw it, threw it in between Izzo and, and, uh, and Rasul so neither one of them could catch it. Threw it literally right in the middle of them. Two guys wide open. He couldn't throw it to either of them. Or the ball was in the middle of both of them. So if he, can, if he completes it to Izzo, that's a – you know. Uh, probably a 35 or 40-yard play. If he hits Razul, it's a touchdown, I mean, but he didn't hit either. That, you know, That's kind of bad luck. Also, maybe don't get beat so your quarterback's not getting hit. Whatever. So there is a chance Florida State still could have won that game, make a play here or there, and they win that game 28-26 or whatever it might have been. Still, would you have felt great about this team? You know, you started the season number three in the country. You have – a ton of talent on defense. You have as many five-star running backs on your roster as the entire ACC combined. And yet, you're, you're giving those, those guys just 20 carries the entire game, and your defense looks lethargic and lost again for long stretches. You know, they give up 400 yards um, and just couldn't get off the field on third and long. Couldn't get off the field on a third and nine when the whole world knew they were going to run the ball. Just couldn't do it. And that's, that's, that's concerning moving forward. But again, it's a long season, and it's not over. You know, there's still technically a chance. I don't see how it could happen because Florida State would have to win at Clemson and beat Louisville, beat Miami. (coughs) Excuse me. Heck, at Wake Forest and at Duke aren't gimmies by any stretch. Those are legitimate teams that could certainly beat Florida State. If you can lose a home to NC State, you can lose a home to you can lose to anybody on your schedule that's left besides Delaware State. You just can. So none of these are taken for granted, and none of these are gimmies. Florida State should win most of these games from here on out, but it's not a gimme. They can lose to all of them, except again Delaware State. So keeping that in mind, that's that's what's concerning. You you started off number three in the in the country, and now you're looking at a season that could be four, five, six losses. Maybe they go ten and two, folks. I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to be all doom and gloom, but what would lead you to believe that from watching what you watched on Saturday? Because you have a true freshman quarterback. Um, and you have a defense that we thought was special after the Alabama game, and then they don't affect the quarterback at all. They don't turn anyone over. Um, they they, they kind of got, you know, screwed on the one, the one interception that was called back because of the pass interference. That should have been a turnover. But other than that, they just don't – they don't force turnovers. They don't sack the quarterback. They're, you know, they struggle. They can't score in the red zone. The offensive line, either, either isn't good enough or – the system in which Jimbo calls plays or switches to plays in the red zone because they're bunched up against the run and he should have mismatches somewhere else, that just doesn't seem to happen for whatever reason. So anyway, that was, a, that was a, I'm sure, a very frustrating loss to watch and a concerning one because, you again, you wonder, okay, where, where, where is this program now? Is it getting better or is it getting worse? Because as Jimbo always says, you don't stand still. You're either getting better or you're getting worse. Well, it certainly doesn't seem to be getting better. This was supposed to be a year, and yeah, you lost Francois. And I will say this. I, do think, I don't think Francois is a great, quarter, great quarterback by any stretch. He's a fine college quarterback. He could probably go win a title at another place, Alabama for sure. Um, but he's not a great college quarterback. Blackman, who knows? Blackman might end up being a great college quarterback. I think just judging from one game, and I know that's hard to do, I think judging from one game, I think Blackman probably has more potential than, than Francois does. But I also think if Francois played on Saturday, Florida State would be 1-1 one and one right now. It wouldn't have been pretty. It wouldn't have been uh, an easy win. But I, do, I just think the offense would have made a couple more plays in the red zone. Maybe Jimbo would have run his quarterback on third down some. That might help. Um, so I think there's a chance. But I also don't think – I mean, I, I still think the ceiling is only so high no matter who's at quarterback with this team. And I, I don't understand why – you know, Noonie Murray has been non-existent for two weeks – um, the kid thinks he's the best receiver in America. He has been a flat-out ghost the first two weeks, has done nothing. Um, Auden Tate's the only guy, apparently, that can make any plays. It was nice to see George Campbell make a couple plays because he he hadn't done that since he's been here. And then, you know, Keith Gavin can't get lined up. I mean, it's, it's just the same issues over and over and over again. So, But I will say this, and that this has been a lot of doom and gloom, and I apologize for that. Um, I just – I think there was a lot – we learned. I, I think we learned a lot about the team from, that, from the NC State game. How they came out, were, were not good on either side of the ball, um, didn't look like they had had 16 days to prepare at all. They should have you know, scouted NC State to know everything that was coming. They had three extra games to watch. NC State only had to watch Alabama. Only could only watch the Alabama game. Florida State had all that extra film to watch and, and really had a hard time stopping anything in the passing game, in the short passing game. Gave up a lot of eight-yard passes. Um, Anyway, just really, really confusing what they were trying to do on defense. And then the offense was just an abomination in the red zone. Just, it was. And, you know, you ask Jimbo about it, and he has, you know, he says, missed the block here, didn't execute here, did something else here. I mean, you know, at some point, fix it. Get better in the red zone. You've got too good of players. You've got too good of players. Your players are better than NC State, whether you've had – 16 days off, 60 days off, or six days off. Your players are better than NC State. You should score more than one touchdown. Here's a little stat for you. So I looked this up. Uh, well, this is already a really long podcast. Sorry, folks. But um, Florida State, through the first two games, has scored two touchdowns total. I went back and looked. and in the, since, since Bobby Bowden took over in 1976, since he became the head coach in 1976, this is only the fifth time in Florida State history, or in the last 40 years, 41 years, that a Florida State team has gone back-to-back games and only scored a total of two touchdowns. The last time was 2005. Before that, it was 1991. Uh, ironic, well, not ironically, but the, the wide right game against Miami, and then the very next game, they had to play Florida with half the team hurt. Um, those were the two, that was the instance in 91. And then 1980 was the time before that, which uh, one of those games included the really famous 18-14 to win at Nebraska where Bill Capiz kicked uh, four field goals, long ones too. So... That's that's what you're looking at. Where that's the last time that, and then 76 Bowden's first year, they didn't score. They they went three games in a row with only scoring one touchdown total uh, to start his career at Florida State. So that's it. 76, 80, 91, 2005, and now 2017, where you've only scored two touchdowns in two games. That's I mean again, that's absurd. I know Alabama's really good. I know NC State has a good defensive front, and Chubb is a monster. Um, That's still no excuse for that. You're out. You're Florida State man. You got players. You just, you've got players. You, you can't, you've got five-star running backs all over the roster, and you can't find a way to score more than one touchdown at home. So anyway, the season's not over. I will say this, and I do think and this is a really important game coming up. Florida State should win it, but it's not an automatic. Wake Forest is going to feel confident. Florida State never really plays well up there. Um, it doesn't seem like. Those Wake Forest kids are going to believe they can win. The fans are going to believe they can win. And they can win. They should believe it. This Florida State team hasn't proven that it's anything special. So I, I, this is going to be a really interesting game because, you know, I, the, the old adage is that you make your most improvements in a season from week one to week two. Well, Florida State didn't get that chance because week two was canceled. And then week three was postponed. So they haven't gotten the chance to show the improvements. They had to go, two, they had to go 20 days without playing. And then they had to play NC State, which is a pretty good team. So now... From NC State to Wake Forest, let's see where the improvements are made. Because, hey, uh, kudos, to, kudos to Jay Graham and Jimbo for fixing the special teams. Well, I shouldn't say fixing, but it certainly looked a heck of a lot better. Um, not just Aguayo making four or five field goals, but Logan Tyler was sensational. He kept them in the game with that punt that backed them up before the safety. You actually, you actually blocked the punt. You, tried, you came close to blocking a couple others. McFadden had a nice little return. Um, Derwin had a nice kick return. The coverage was fine. Um, they they were good on special teams, really good actually. They they were the best phase of the group, so best phase on the team. So they made that kind of improvement from week one, from game one to game two. So this is a really important one to see what they can do um, from week two to week three. Which in this instance, because this season has been so bizarre with, with Hurricane Irma and what it did. Let's see what the improvement looks like. from. I'm going to call this from week one to week two. The Alabama game almost just doesn't count. It's like its own separate entity from way back when. This is week two for this Florida State team after that 20 days off. Where is that improvement going to be? How much better are they going to look? Because if they struggle again in the red zone, if they struggle on defense and can't get off the field, if they can't create turnovers, if it's another lethargic effort on both sides of the ball, listless, maybe they win by a field goal or eight or ten points. Maybe they don't. Um it's it's kind of an indictment on what's going on with this program. That you know, if they come out and win this game, and you might say, Oh, it's Wake Forest, who cares? If they come out and dominate or play really well and win by 17, 20 points at Wake Forest, man, that's a good sign, and it's a sign that you could still have a really good year. If that doesn't happen, if you struggle, and then you got Miami coming up at home, and then at Duke, who's undefeated too, Louisville, at Clemson, at Florida, you got all these games that are losable games. And if you don't show a vast, a, a really, a large, I don't even know the word I'm looking for there. If you don't show a ton of improvement between NC State and Wake, man, that's a bad, that's, that doesn't bode well for the rest of the year. It just means you are what you are then. And if you are what you are, well, then you're in trouble. So they need to make, ch- they need to make uh, and then the, the, the howls for coaches to be fired are going to come fast and furious. If uh, especially if Florida State finds a way to lose this game, if they start at 0 and three with a loss to Wake Forest, oh boy, uh, you know, I, I, man, it could get ugly quick around here because that you don't you don't start 0 and three at Florida State ever. The last team to start 0 and two at Florida State was, uh, I think, the last team to start 0 and three was Bowden's first year. The last team to start 0 and two was '89 and they won ten in a row. Well, that team had Peter Tom Willis and Lawrence Dawsey and. Uh, Terrell Buckley and, and Leroy Butler, Dexter Carter. That, that team had really good players that knew how to win. Does this team? I don't know. Anyway, I've talked long enough. My throat's starting to get sore. I'm sure you're t- tired of listening to me. Um, anyway, I appreciate you listening, though, and I'll be back next week talking about the Wake Forest game. Um, you know, I'm, For your sake, I hope I'm uh, you know talking about more pleasant things. Anyway, you're the best. Peace and love. Out.